Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot Slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Kirsten Nichols. She is editor at Hemp Industry Daily. We're going to talk to her a little bit about what's going on in the hemp industry relative to the COVID-19, to the coronavirus situation that we're in, the, the pandemic, how it's impacting, you know, obviously, not only everyone pretty much in the world, and certainly here in the U.S., with kind of the changes that are happening, the stay-at-home, shelter-in-place policies that are um, being instituted really across the country at this point, but really kind of understanding how it's affecting the industry and how the industry is responding and uh, talking a little bit about some of the programs that are available. I think most people have heard all the legislation that is being passed at the federal level to help sort of shore up the economy and hopefully speed up recovery when we get to that point. There's a lot of programs, a lot of funding, a lot of money, both loans, grants, things like that, and kind of understand a little bit about what's applicable to the hip industry, what, what's being used, and then talk a little bit of in general how the hip industry is responding and what kind of conversations are going on in uh, the space to kind of understand like what might be happening in the coming months, how people are kind of thinking about their position, maybe sort of strategic responses that people are anticipating or at least questioning. So I'm excited 
about this. I think there's, you know, obviously it's a horrible situation from a public health point of view. And we're trying to figure out how the industry is responding and, and hopefully create some content, create some uh, insights for people to help navigate the situation. So with that, Kirsten, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So why don't we start with a little bit understanding your background, how you got into the hemp industry, and then we'll talk a little about what you do for Hemp Industry Daily, get into some of these topics. But give us a story. What was your background and how did you get into the space? Okay. I'm an ag reporter, a longtime ag reporter. Got into cannabis, as a lot of people do, because they kind of get sick of uh, their old uh, lines <laughs> of work. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'm the editor of Hemp Industry Daily. We're a sister publication of Marijuana Business Daily. So I was a uh, covered cannabis in Col- I'm in Colorado. I uh, started covering uh, the marijuana industry around 08, 09. I was an ag reporter who came to Colorado and discovered that Colorado doesn't really grow a lot. <laughs> kind of a, It's a ranching mining state, which yeah. I found boring. Yeah. Uh, so when the marijuana industry started taking off in 08, 09, I was real interested because I'm interested in uh, its plants, its agriculture, its floriculture, really. Yeah. And uh, so I've so been covering that and then uh, knew uh, the folks at Marijuana Business Daily and we started a hemp vertical and started in 18. And the reason is, as your listeners know, you guys know, they're kind of different. Hemp and marijuana, of course, the same plant, but there's different business impacts, different things that affect them. This crisis that we're talking about today really drives that home. Yeah, They're on different pressures, different challenges, and different opportunities on both sides. So I cover, of course, still marijuana sometimes, but mm-hmm. uh, really focus on uh, the hemp side and how that market is different. Yeah. And maybe let's uh, just kind of help listeners understand a little bit of the difference because yes, I mean, it's the same, sort of the same plant technically, you know, hemp is really a a definition that it's created from a legal situation around this kind of 0.3% THC level classifies it as hemp, which now fits under the farm bill. I mean, give people a little more details of why the designation of hemp is important from an industry and kind of regulatory legality point of view. Why do we have this distinction in the industry here? Sure. You point out it's legal and regulatory. It's important to remember for the plant, it's all phony baloney macaroni. There is no difference. It's exactly. like asking how red should a rose be or how pure does a golden retriever have to be before it's a purebred? I mean, yeah. it's kind of means nothing to the plant. It's yeah. the same plant, of course. However, going back several decades, nations around the world, including the United States, Canada, and all of the European nation states decided that there should be a level of THC below which it's not intoxicating and can't be used as a drug. Hemp, of course, cannabis, it's all one plant. It's a very old plant. Folks thousands of years ago figured out, hey, if you take the dudes out and (laughs) smoke the flowers, it feels good. Um, So then they started kind of just like we, just like humans do with every plant, they started really growing for that. So hemp has been grown for thousands of years. Some kinds of varieties are grown for these very intoxicating flowers that are high in THC, but governments have always acknowledged, hey, okay, eat whatever you think about these high THC buds that people are smoking, the plant's bigger than that. And there's there's varieties that should not be considered a controlled substance or, or intoxicating at all. And that's what we think of as hemp. The difference between hemp and industrial hemp is they just added a word to make it set to really drive home. <laughs> this is not 
kind of gets you high. Again, same plant, but it's important to note, this goes back to global drug treaties from the 60s and even earlier, um, setting a THC standard. So it's in the law. It's 0.3 THC percent by dry weight. That is a legal line that we use. Again, it really means nothing. It's just a distinction between what is legal and what is not. Hemp was commonly grown in the early days of the United States, became basically fell out of favor. People blame the drug war, yeah. but really the industrial revolution had more to do with it, uh, replaced by polyester and other fibers and fabrics. Yeah. And of course, the steam engine, we don't need, we don't sail around the world anymore. Anyhow, so we slowly, folks wanted to say, hey, why is olive cannabis illegal? There's whole varieties that really can't really intoxicate you. So uh, Congress has been slowly opening the door to these lower THC varieties. They blew the door wide open two years ago in a farm bill where they said, hey, if it's below 0.3% THC by dry weight, it's not even, it's not a controlled substance. It's the same as a corn or potatoes. We're going to regulate it that way. It makes a lot more sense and it opened a lot of opportunities for folks growing those low THC varieties because, as we'll discuss, there's a lot of advantage to being a federally legal commodity yeah. versus being an illicit commodity. Yeah, so now with the farm bill, the hemp production is now federally legal or it's not illegal. It's not a controlled substance, so it's now open for growing and processing. And how have you seen kind of the hemp market develop at this point? I mean, I know there's lots of different applications of hemp, everything from kind of industrial product to fiber to, you know, use in various even kind of building materials and things like that. And then there's this CBD craze that's going on, which is, you know, an extraction of, you know, from the plant into, you know, product that can be used and, you know, topically can be ingested in various ways. I mean, is most of the U.S. hemp industry basically CBD production or what, how do you see the kind of the percentages or the use of hemp being played out right now? Okay. And it's no exaggeration to say this legal change was absolutely seismic to the industry. Don't forget American farmers are facing lots of headwinds, really low commodity prices in corn, wheat. They got a huge trade war going on with China and soybeans. So you have farmers from dairy, from tobacco, from you name it, looking for a higher price commodity. On the other side, you have folks who have been growing illicit marijuana for decades. Also, wanting to uh, come out of the illicit market and everybody rushing, rushing, rushing to make big money from this new crop. If you can grow pot in the basement, you can grow hemp. If you can grow uh, tomatoes outside, you can grow hemp. So a lot of opportunity there. Right now, it's tough to say exactly how much is being grown uh, because states keep track of what they license. They don't all keep track of how much actually gets harvested. Right now, as far as we can tell, at least three quarters, maybe Maybe much more is going for flower production. That's CBD and other extracts to get from the flower. Mm-hmm. When you think of the CBD craze, almost all of it is flower production. So that's why I say it's more like floriculture, which yeah. is what marijuana is too. Yep. Right now, there's a lot of opportunity in things from fiber and grain. We have like more like meat alternatives in grocery stores. There's like a company in Canada that has struck a big deal just recently with Georgia Pacific, a big toilet paper maker. Mm. They, as you can imagine, Imagine how we're doing pretty well right now yeah. <laughs> to make some non-wovens. However, most that side of the hemp plant, I would have to say, is mostly R&D. I think there's a lot of potential there. But right now, if you're a farmer, if you're an investor and you are looking at a you know six-month to two-year window, the money is in flower products like CBD. Yeah. So so they're they're growing the flower, uh, mm-hmm. processing that into some kind of uh, some kind of uh, consumable product, either like I said, a topical or ingestible of, of, of various sorts, and well, I've seen some kind of, you know, smokable CBD, you know, hemp flower kind of thing. 
thing is I think most of it's going into some kind of uh, product, either sure. uh, you know tinctures and things like that, or being mm-hmm. put into cosmetics and, and stuff. Sure. So, so given that that you know most of the industry is producing flour, that which is then being processed and put into these substances, what's kind of the impact over the last couple months as this coronavirus has impacted the economy? Obviously, this sort of stay-at-home regulations, uh, orders that have been put in place, you know, which is severely limiting, you know, not only you know workers being able to get to their places of employment and actually do the work, but, you know, people are not going to stores or not purchasing things in the same way. How have you kind of seen the industry be affected so far as we've gone into this COVID situation? I talked to a analyst yesterday who said for hemp producers, this is a crisis on top of a crisis. Mm. We've been talking about the CBD craze. Um, uh, CBD prices have really uh, bottomed out supply and demand yeah. playing it there, playing its work here. And there's two, it's interesting, blessing and a curse difference for hemp producers. Again, because they're legal, they can sell online Mm -hmm. easily and sell anywhere. Of course, there's lots of illicit products sold online too, but it's easier for CBD producers to sell online. So they're doing extremely well. Some are seeing really high sales, as you would imagine, in a time of anxiety, in a time, the whole nutritional supplement sector, whether it's like, you know, vitamin C or you name it, that whole sector is doing very well right now. However, at the same time, another advantage that CBD and hemp has is sold in conventional brick and mortar retail. So you're seeing retailers from convenience to grocery. Sephora now carries stuff, all kinds of department stores carrying stuff. Well, they're all shut down. So those folks who have really invested in going into mainstream retail are seeing some real softness right now, as anybody is. And another important point, there is a lot of folks who open either hemp exclusive retail or CBD exclusive retail. If you've uh, driven around strip malls and seen this like weird CBD store, Um, There's a lot of those popped up and almost nowhere uh, has designated those as essential services or things that are staying open. So any kind of CBD only retail, there's still CBD being sold through marijuana dispensaries in jurisdictions that still allow those to be open. But so I would say, again, blessing and a curse. If you're selling, if you have an e-commerce store, your CBDs could be doing quite well, uh, depending on how much investment you made in brick and mortar retail, really seeing some struggles right now. Yeah, it's interesting because I know a lot of states with medical and adult use marijuana laws, you know, capabilities. Most of them, I know there's been a couple exceptions, but most of them have designated them as essential businesses and allowed them to stay open, you know, albeit with the restrictions of six feet or, you know, curbside pickup and stuff like that. So it sounds like it. So if, if you're a CBD company who distributes through a dispensary, you, you may still see sales going on because these dispensaries are staying open. But if you have a standalone CBD store or have been sold through, you know, convenience store kind of things that most likely you're seeing those retail locations shut down. I have seen or I've heard sort of anecdotally that those that are selling through like Whole Foods, uh, you know, places that are deemed necessary and still open are still seeing sales. So it it sounds like a little bit of the luck of the draw in terms of what your kind of retail strategy was in terms of what your sales may be. And if you happen to go through a channel that's being shut down, you're kind of screwed. And if you happen to be going through a channel which is being deemed uh, essential, you may actually still see product being moved. That's an important point. You're right. Grocery and retail. And we should also point out folks who are making grain varieties like granola and and those uh, kinds of hemp products have been deemed essential by USDA. Anybody making food is essential and anybody making uh, construction components, that's also essential. So if you are, again, the, the few folks who are making grain product oils and stuff like that, not CBD oils, but cooking oils like canola type yeah. oils, they're essential and still uh, able to do business. Yeah, it's actually, actually we've got a, 
um, I, I'm, I'm recording out in New Jersey, Fort Lee, New Jersey, just across the street from Manhattan or across the river from Manhattan here. And we've got a, a local coffee shop that's open because they, uh, they bake bread and they make bread and they, they've you know, somehow convinced the, <laughs> the authorities that they're essential business because they make sure. bread. So they've stayed open. So it's really interesting to sort of see how the retail side of this is, mm-hmm. um, based on the orders and how the orders get interpreted or kind of played out and what your retail strategy was, how that, happens. but online sales, I mean, if you're an online, if you're, if you're selling online, which is legal because as from a hemp point of view, from a CBD point of view, you have an open channel. I mean, assuming, you know, assuming that things are getting delivered and you've got, sure. you know, delivery capabilities, those are, are you seeing, I mean, I guess I could imagine that with kind of the health concerns and people trying to boost their immune system and making mm-hmm. sure they stay healthy, as well as, you know, kind of this increased level of anxiety and the desire to kind of attenuate that to a certain degree that that would imply or potentially create a situation where, where CBD sales are up or demand is up. Is that what you're seeing? Or are you actually seeing the data that yes. says people are buying for those reasons? Yes. Uh, all of the above retail e-commerce sales are up across the hemp spectrum, both CBD products and kind of omega rich. Yeah. Anything that's like health and wellness right now selling online doing well. Yeah. Absolutely. We're seeing companies reporting 25, 30 plus percent uh, increases, huge upticks, of course, in search terms yeah. and people looking as people are, you know, as stuck at home on their phones, Googling and looking for things either to relieve anxiety or again, for possible immune protective yeah. purposes. Just boost their health and, and immunity. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing any particular types of products? I mean, because there's so many different formats. I mean, we've got these broad spectrum, full spectrum. We've got these uh, concentrates, you know, <laughs> isolates and all this stuff. I mean, is there anything that you're, do you have enough data there to actually see which of these products are being actually uh, kind of making a jump in sales? Not full or broad spectrum. Though that's funny you point that out because boy, there's uh, such intense controversy over which really is the best yeah. spectrum, broad spectrum versus isolate. Okay. But we have the only thing we can point to so far, and this definitely comes through cannabis sales channels, marijuana sales channels, yeah. and the same thing is happening to CBD. You mentioned earlier, smokable hemp. That is a growing trend, but we are yeah. definitely seeing folks moving away from smoking yeah. and vaping anything right now. Again, this is a disease that attacks your cardiovascular system. Folks are aware of that, concerned about that. So we're seeing folks choosing edibles, tinctures, topicals, over think anything you would burn and inhale. That yeah. is the vape sector and the smoke sector don't have good numbers yet, but it does appear that folks are choosing edibles, topicals over those. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I think the other thing that's driving that is people are stuck at home. <laughs> so you're, sure. you're stuck at home with your family and your kids and everything. You're not going to be running around mm-hmm. with a blunt, you know, smoking. You know, you're going to probably, you know, do a tincture or take sure. an edible uh, just because of the situation, the, the kind of locked in home situation people are in. But yes, yeah, fascinating kind of set of factors that are shaping not only, you know, overall sales, but actually which products are coming out. Have you seen, I guess, anything interesting you've seen in terms of how hemp producers, uh, CBD producers are kind of responding to this, either in terms of sales strategies or product strategies or, you know, reaching customers, packaging things up, offers, discounts. I mean, what are some of the things that you see people trying to do to kind of adjust to the current situation? Of course, like other manufacturers, uh, lots of, especially uh, CBD oil producers pivoting to make hand sanitizers. Mm -hmm. One interesting thing we have not explored yet, but I think is going to be interesting to watch. 
We are starting to hear reports that so much ethanol is being pivoted to hand sanitizer use yeah. across manufacturing that we could see an effect because ethanol, of course, is a hugely used in all kinds of extraction of yeah. THC and CBD products. Anyway, that'll be interesting. So anyway, but I feel like you can't find a CBD company anywhere right now that is not offering deals, discounts to first responders or yeah. folks trying to really tap into that anxiety uh, that folks are feeling. Let, let us help you relax. Lots of cases of folks making donations of CBD products to healthcare providers who might be interested. Mm -hmm. It's also cool to see, again, back to these other uses, food makers are making big, big donations of hemp grain products to food banks and that kind of thing. That's very cool to see. Again, everybody's kind of on hold wondering what this means for their business, yeah. but trying to uh, address community concerns as best they can. And back to your point, we were making about retail and your retail strategy in areas where maybe your retail strategy is that the brick and mortar store you had can't be open. We're seeing a growing number doing curbside, even drone delivery of <laughs> CBD tinctures to reach their customers as best they can. Wow. By all means yeah. possible. <laughs> yeah. Highly motivated, highly motivated sales. Have you seen anything kind of looking down the supply chain and production chain? How is this affecting the actual, you know, cultivation and processing? I mean, are, are processors and cultivators still operating and are they, are they, are able to, are they, do they get designated as, you know, essential services until they can stay open or how are they kind of handling that from a just keeping operations going point of view? It depends what you're making. Some uh, processors are open. Not all extractors are. Yeah. It is uh, really, but it's going to be huge even if this all goes away tomorrow. Yeah. On the farm right now, it would seem that not much is going on. However, now is the time of year. Farmers are deciding everywhere what to plant, mm -hmm. what cultivars to use, what kind of inputs. They can afford inputs are, you know, fertilizer, yeah. water, Nutrients that kind of that, thing. Yeah. Whether they pivot to, let's say, you know, dairy has been a sector that's been really down for many years. Whether the dairymen continue pivoting into hemp or say, you know what, right now I'm just going to like focus on what I know how to do. Hemp is speculative for sure. And not a lot of guys had success last year. So wow. I do think you're going to see some serious impacts to the supply chain down the road. Farms are very affected. A year ago, hemp was just made legal. Everybody's scrambling to get hemp expertise and start growing it. Mm -hmm. You have people even like offering free housing uh, <laughs> to, to attract people to rural areas to grow yeah. hemp. Not unusual really in ag, but kind of like that's we're not seeing that as much this year. Definitely, I think a scale back from big ag and a scale back even from the marijuana industry into how much speculation they want to do on a hemp sector that they're not sure where it's going to shake out. As exciting as hemp and CBD is, yeah. it's a brand new industry. So all the volatility mm -hmm. that even old industries are having now is really magnified in hemp. So I do think we'll see less production and less activity overall as the year goes on. Yeah. And what, I mean, given this kind of, you know, potential sustained demand for product and variable nature of the production side, mm -hmm. I mean, do you, do you see, you know, big swings or big deficits and supply issues in the coming months? I mean, I, I guess, when do you think this is really going to impact with the sort of the shelves? Like how long does it take to go from, you know, farmers making choices about what they're mm -hmm. going to plant and if they're going to plant to actually showing up on whether we have product or the right product or the prices of product? What's that cycle look like? Probably nine months. I think we'll start seeing it this fall. If folks really stop growing, producing, don't forget there's still a lot of, a lot of folks winterize their uh, CBD they couldn't sell last year and they're still waiting for buyers. So I think we've got a lot of supply. I wouldn't worry about CBD running out anytime soon. <laughs> okay. um, the plant doesn't, it's a very, really short cycle plant. Uh -huh. You can go from a clone to having usable product in less than six months. Yeah. So it's not going to be, I don't think to a consumer, 
that disruptive. I do think uh, processors, farmers, and investors are going to see some real disruption in the near term, but I don't know what it will look like on store shelves. One thing to point out, as great as CBD and hemp is, and as a lot of people find it very essential, Mm -hmm. it's not essential like food, dairy, you know, water essentials, that kind of thing. So if the overall economy is really, we really are entering depression, a Mm -hmm. lot of folks out of work, a lot of folks, it is, it's not cheap. And Mm -hmm. you can imagine that consumers can choose not to invest in. So I think all of this is too soon to say, but smart companies are really thinking hard about where they want to play in this new market and how they can succeed and come out the other side. Yeah. I mean, do you think there's going to be a a kind of a a shakedown, certainly on the processing side where, you know, now with, you know, people going through stores, you know, their winterized CBD and to meet demand, not processing as much, you know, seeing real kind of peaks and valleys. Is that, you know, is that really going to hit the processors or what are the processors going to do? Are they going to pivot back into cannabis or other non-cannabis related processing capabilities? And how do do you think that's going to affect that industry? I'm curious to see, you know, I don't know. There uh, definitely are a lot of processors that could pivot back to THC Mm -hmm. products if that line of work is more steady. Uh, You're also, before all this started, you were seeing a lot of processors getting into CBG and other cannabinoids, we call minor cannabinoids that are less prevalent in the plant. Again, to tap into new sites that weren't being used. I think it's too soon to say. Definitely, though, we think there was a problem of not enough processing in all these new markets where we had farmers Mm. throwing hemp seed in the ground, not knowing where they were going to sell it and not (laughs) enough processors to process it. So maybe it's going to take some time to catch up. So we might see more processing, but at the same time, not as much more as we would have, if that makes sense. I think it's going to adjust the products actually coming out because, as you mentioned, this stuff is not cheap. I mean, you're you're looking at anywhere from $30, $40 a bottle to, you know, $200 a bottle for some of these, you know, high potency tinctures and stuff like that. I mean, what do you think that's going to shape or do you think there's going to be a response in terms of what products actually get put on the shelves and how people kind of create consumables and the price points and concentrations and formulations and stuff? What, how do you think it's going to play out that way? Absolutely. I think uh, folks are, are going to look to what they know from the other analogous industries they're in. For example, what I mean by that, if you're making a, a topical or a cosmetic product, you're going to look for industry trends in other ingredients that go in skin creams or face creams and how that market plays out. Do people stop buying face cream when the economy is bad? They're going to follow all those headwinds. I do think we could see where we could see a real quick change is kind of the the, the low fruit add-on. Right now, you mentioned the coffee shop. Right now, a lot of coffee shops, a lot of massage therapy places, a lot of places will say, oh, for two bucks or four bucks, yeah. add a CBD shot. A convenience store selling a lot of these low price points, yeah. eh, energy kind of looking like five hour energy type shots of CBD products. Those are kinds of things that feel kind of like impulse buy, checkout counter kind of buys. I think those could really be affected more than you see folks reducing that are using CBD kind of more medically. Either they have epilepsy in the family or something that they're treating themselves and still find it more reasonable or more affordable than pharmaceutical preparations that are analogous. But it's going to be interesting to see. There's something else that happened just this week. Of course, business doesn't stop just because we're in a pandemic. Just this week, the DEA said that a certain kind of CBD in a pharmaceutical 
preparation is not a controlled substance. This sounds like super wonky, but it could lead to a lot more companies exploring pharmaceutical R&D preparations of cannabis-derived medicine that could really drive down the price there. Again, if you're spending $100-60 a bottle for something that insurance doesn't cover, yeah. but maybe there are other options that insurance would cover that would be much more affordable, yeah. I think that we're going to see a lot of activity on that side of the market. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that, I could imagine that's going to have a huge shift because if I can if I can classify it as a, a medical, mm-hmm. you know, medical treatment that gets covered under insurance, that'd be huge. So let's talk a little bit about some of these programs because I know that there's a lot of talk about you know the $3 trillion or whatever <laughs> the Senate has authorized or that the, the Congress has authorized and they're putting in place and the PPP programs and uh, these government loans and things like that. I mean, I guess, so my understanding is that the, if you're dealing in THC, a lot of these, a lot of these programs are not going to be applicable to you because you're technically dealing in a federally illegal substance, but for hemp and CBD, you should be able to do this. How Give us a little bit of background or, or sense of how these programs are applying to hemp versus, you know, marijuana production, mm-hmm. THC production. How is that shaking out? Okay. Well, big picture, it's a great time to love the alphabet because here we are with, a, like you mentioned, <laughs> here we are with a million programs. So here's the latest lay of the land. Congress so far has passed three separate measures to help the economy going in from going into total freefall. Of course, these are federal programs. They are trying to seek companies to avoid them having to lay off all their employees. This is federal money and goes only to things that are federally legal. To what you point out, hemp is, marijuana isn't. We didn't make the rules. It's kind of silly, but that there we are. So if you're a hemp producer, you are uh, covered by US, US, there's USDA assistance. There's a lot of assistance, what you mentioned, the Paycheck Protection Program through the Small Business Administration. All of these things are programs for which hemp producers, hemp processors, hemp retailers, anybody in the hemp supply chain could be eligible for. The problem there is that if you ask, how do I get this money? Of course, what they say is go to your bank. Well, uh, go to your SBA lender. As you know, hemp companies, just like their marijuana counterparts, report big kinds of problems, finding banks, Mm -hmm. uh, finding financial services. So I've been told that if you are in the hemp business and can't find help, go to an SBA office and explain to them that you can't find a bank to loan you money and they will help kind of grease the wheels because banks are not really uh, into risk. And so right now, of course, everybody in every kind of business looking for loans, looking for the bank to give them a write them a check, don't want to take any unnecessary risk. But I want to point out something pretty big that happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. In addition to the big package that Congress passed, mm-hmm. um, just here in early April, the U.S. Treasury and the Federal Reserve released another $3 trillion in something for Main Street lending and also direct payments to states. Now, that's really important to marijuana producers because they unleashed some like $500 billion to go straight to states. Uh-huh. Now, the federal government is never going to give you any assistance if you're in the marijuana business, uh-huh. but a lot of states might. So it is really unclear what those state grants are going to look like. Will there be state programs to help businesses, small businesses and startups? I think you're going to see a lot of people starting to watch what those dollars, how those dollars get to the states, what the states do with them. Because certainly if you are in a state that considers marijuana a legal product, yeah. uh, this may be on the table for you. We'd, it'd have to come from your state government, not the feds. But yeah. that's all going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, a lot of things to play out. But that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that when I, I heard about this. Uh, actually, I was reading about it this morning, the the you know the money that they were putting in and, and then how they were going to issue it to the states. But I hadn't thought about the states now are going to set up programs for distribution. And for a state that has a legal marijuana program that uh, they could, a state could actually allocate money for that and sure. make 
make it available to those. But otherwise, if you're a if you're a THC producing mm-hmm. either you know cultivator, processor, or yep. dispensary, you're not eligible for the programs that were in place as of a couple weeks ago. And it all is going through the bank. So at the end of the day, you need to work with your local bank. If you don't have mm-hmm. a bank, it sounds like the SBA is the place to go, and they theoretically are going to help. Have you? I guess have you talked with hemp producers that have successfully completed the process? I mean, I guess where I guess how much traction are you seeing people actually? Or I mean, are people taking advantage of it? And to, to what extent? I guess at this point, everyone's asking, and and yeah. the answer is not yet. But this is all a week old, and I would say even if you're covering, you know, the potato business, you don't know of anybody who's gotten money in hand yeah. yet. So there are options available. Banks say they are overwhelmed every single day. The Small Business Administration tweets ten times a day how many loans they've given out. Well, right now they're up to like seventeen thousand. Well, if you think about American businesses, <laughs> that's a drop in the bucket, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah. And that includes everybody and yeah. every kind of business you could imagine. So I don't know of anyone that's gotten help yet. People say, just give it time. Well, yeah. of course, who has time? Yeah, Nobody exactly. has time. Everybody's trying to make well, payroll to, and yeah, exactly. pay the mortgages and everything else. But yeah. so I think we're going to be watching really closely to see how this plays. Yeah. Fascinating. Kristen, this has been a pleasure and great information. I've talked about the hemp industry a couple of different times with different folks, but this is definitely the most detailed one that I've had. So I really appreciate it. If people want to find out more about you, about Hemp Industry Daily, what's the best way to get that information? Of course, go to our website, hempindustrydaily.com. It's all one word. Uh, you can also get to us through marijuanabusinessdaily.com. And uh, we're on, you know, everybody else's. We're on Twitter and uh, Slack and um, Instagram and everything else. Everyone's pivoting, of course, as yeah. your companies are, to trying to be more engaged online. So look for us wherever you look for any other business news and appreciate very much you having us on. Yeah, no, this, like I said, this has been a pleasure. A lot of great information. And I'll, I'll look forward to kind of, you know, keeping in touch with you as things play out. Maybe we do another interest episode as things kind of realize themselves. But it's really been a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time today. Sure, anytime. Happy to help. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.